A.W. Tozer once said that grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits or blessings on the undeserving. That is grace that God is giving to us human beings that which we never really deserve. The story we're going to look at today is a story of God's grace, not only to a couple, but to an entire nation through that couple. The story we're going to look at today is the story of Manoah and his wife, who is the parents of Samson, uh, the final judge that God will raise up in the book of Judges. We've been looking at, with the exception of last week, we've been looking at the judges and how the book of Judges, uh, God is raising up individuals at a time of Israel's history where the people just were not walking in God's ways. And when we come to the story of Samson, we come to the low point of Israel's history up until this time. And Uh, we see that they were a sinful people. This continues to be the case in Judges chapter 13, verse 1, where it says, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. So the children of Israel are continuing to walk and worship pagan deities. And the Lord has had enough of it. And one of the ways he deals with their sinfulness and their disobedience is to raise up an enemy people who will oppress them. And so now, as the Samson story begins, it is the Philistines who are going to give Israel a hard time. And one of the consequences of their sin, the Israelites, their sin, one of the consequences of their sin is is the sin of, of apathy. They become spiritually apathetic. They seem to be complacent. It is interesting that in verse 1, God handed the people of Israel under the uh, uh, oppression of the Israelites. And before we go to verse 2, usually in the cycle of the judges, what happens is the people of Israel sin, and then God hands them over to their enemies, and then the people of Israel cry out, And then God raises up a deliverer, right? And then God delivers them. We saw with with Jephthah's story that the people of Israel made an outward attempt to repent before God, but God understood that that repentance wasn't sincere. And as a result, there was ungodly leadership that rose to power within Israel under the leadership of Jephthah. Now with this cycle, this cycle of this uh, crying out to God stops. The people have been handed over to the Philistines, and you would expect when God, when the verse 1 is over, after the Lord delivers the people of Israel into the Philistines' hands, you would expect the people of Israel to cry out to God, but that doesn't happen. There's no cry out to God. The people have become apathetic. They become so accustomed to their own sinful ways, and now that they're becoming oppressed, they don't even cry out to God anymore. They just are 
satisfied with the status quo. There's no crying out to God. There's perfectly to content to live within the oppression of the Philistines. And what's amazing about this is that they're simply going to live their life that way. But God, in his grace, will not allow that to happen. Because he's going to do something on his own initiative to intervene in the life of his people by raising up a deliverer named Samson. The fact that he's doing this to a people who are not crying out to him is a demonstration of his grace to these people. He's going to go out and he says, if you're not going to be cry out to me, I'll, I'll just take it upon myself to intervene in your life and stir something up. And he just graciously intervenes in the life of a family. And he's going to give them good news in the midst of it. So, God in his great mercy and his grace chooses to reach out and raise up a deliverer when they were not calling for one and when they were not uh, worthy of one. They were worth it, but they were not worthy of it. And so God is going to now give good news to a particular couple. But to whom does this good news and message of grace and hope come to? Verses 2 through 5. Now there was a certain man from Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. In fact, his name, Manoah, is a longer version of Noah. It means to rest or resting place. That's what his name means. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now, you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore, please be careful and do not drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So here we see a particular couple, barren, can't have any children. Of course, that was a reproach in that day. Not to have children meant that, well, our, your own posterity would no longer continue on if you have no offspring. And she's barren. But the angel of the Lord appears. Now, who is the angel of the Lord? Scholars, of course, will argue back and forth as to who this person is. And whatever we say about the uh, angel of the Lord, there's a close relationship to God Almighty. And many believe that this is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Could very well possibly be. But this angel of the Lord is a divine visitor to uh, Manoah's wife. And he reveals to her that they're gonna have, she's going to have a child. An act of grace. She never prayed for one. The text doesn't say she ever prayed for a child. The Lord just came upon her and told her she was going to have one. And he also told her that your child is going to be a Nazarite from birth. Now, what is a Nazarite? Did you ever hear of a Nazarite vow? What was a Nazarite vow? The term Nazarite comes from a root word which means to dedicate 
or to separate or consecrate. The angel of the Lord is telling this woman who's unnamed that your child is a Nazarite will be dedicated, separated, and consecrated to God for his service. Okay? And because this child is a Nazarite, she's going to have to do certain things. Now, if you want to be, well, in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, chapter 6, there's chapter 6, verses 1 to 21, is a description of how the Israelites were to practice the Nazarite vow. A Nazarite vow was a temporary vow that an Israelite would make if they wanted to dedicate themselves to God. It wasn't impressed upon them. They would just take it upon themselves to dedicate themselves to God in a particular way. And so they would separate themselves from living the, the, uh, in a way that they normally would have. And they would make this vow for however long amount of time. It was temporary and it was uh, voluntary. And you would express this vow in three ways. You could not cut your hair. You couldn't eat or you couldn't drink anything from the vine, whether it be grapes, raisins, uh, any, or any fermented drink, anything that was similar, you couldn't drink it. And you could not uh, touch or go near a dead corpse. Those were three stipulations of a Nazarite vow. Okay? So now the angel comes and says, your child is going to be a Nazarite from the womb, which means it's going to be dedicated to God. And because this child is going to be dedicated to God from the moment of conception, that means that the woman is going to have to somehow, is going to have to um, partake in that vow as well, because this child that's dedicated to God is now in her womb. So now she has to be holy. And so she cannot eat anything unclean, she cannot drink any wine or similar drink. So now she's obligated to abide by this vow. This is what the angel's telling her. The fact that the angel told her that she wasn't to, um, she wasn't to eat anything unclean is, uh, is, is interesting because that was a law that all Israelites had to abide by. Israelites were not supposed to eat anything unclean according to the code in Leviticus chapter 11. The fact that the angel has to stress this to her probably indicates that she and her husband and other people within Israel were not abiding by that law. So this is good news to her, recipient of God's grace. How does she respond to such a good news? Verses 15 to 18. Excuse me, verses 6 to 7. How does she respond to the good news of God's grace and hope? So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me. And his appearance or his countenance was like the appearance of the angel of God. It was very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. So she receives the good news. And the first thing she's going to do when she has the good news is wants to share good news with somebody else. And the first place she's going to go is to her husband, right? I got good news. So what is she going to do? She's going to tell him, you won't believe what happened to me. I had this, 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 this man of God appeared to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of, of, of an angel of God. She didn't know who it was, but whoever it was had this divine aura about him, for she describes him as very awesome. 
And then she goes on to tell her husband what the angel of the Lord had told her. And she goes and, 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 and tells him the good news that she herself had received. So she responds in faith. But notice how Manoah responds to the good news of grace and hope when he hears it. Verses 8 to 14. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O oh my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. Why is he doing that? He had just received, and his wife just told him what had happened. The angel of the Lord came to me and told us that we were going to have a son, and this is what I have to do. I can't, I can't drink any alcoholic beverage. I have to uh, make sure I eat only clean foods. And right away, he prays to the Lord and says, Oh my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. Does he believe the testimony of his wife? Why is he praying again? Or why is he pray to the, to the Lord and say, come back to me, come back to us, so that we would know what to do? Well, she just told you what to do. Why are you going to the Lord again? It's possible she doesn't believe the testimony. Here's his wife has no child. She can't have a child. Now she's coming to him and says, uh, some angel, man of God appeared to me and said, we're going to have a son. How many of you husbands would believe your wives if they came to you and said the same thing? <laughs> but he evidently has a hard time with it. And God responds to his prayer in verse 9. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said, Look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me. So Manoah arose and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Now here he, Manoah prays, Lord, send the angel back to us so that we can know what to do. The, it said, the text says that the angel listened to the Lord, uh, the angel listened to Manoah's voice, but he kind of did and kind of didn't because Manoah wants the angel to come back to him. But guess what happens? The angel goes right back to her again and leaves him out. It's possible that Manoah wants to have control of the situation. And us men like to have the control of the situation, even within our own homes. Isn't that true? And all the women said, yeah, amen, right? He may very well want to control the situation. He doesn't, may not like the fact that his wife is the one who the angel of the Lord is going to. So there may be a little jealousy here, possibly. And he has to follow his wife. And he goes to the man, are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he just simply says, I am. Clearly, he doesn't have, he has a hard time believing his wife. Because even when he came again, the angel of the Lord, a second time, his wife went to him and says, hey, the same angel of the Lord who appeared to me the first time is now back again. And what does he do when he sees the angel of the Lord? He asks, are you the, are you the person who's been speaking to, my, to this woman, my wife? He says, I am. So apparently he has a hard time believing his wife. And he questions God. Apparently, he doesn't believe. In verses 15 to 18, we see that Manoah's unbelief blinded him to the presence of God in his midst. 
Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you, and we will prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, will I not eat your food? Excuse me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, that when your words come to pass, we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Here Manoah is in a state of unbelief. And the fact that he couldn't believe, or he did not believe, kept him from seeing and recognizing the identity of the one who was before him. He says, what is your name? And the angel of the Lord says, why do you you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? It's too marvelous for you to comprehend, he says. And the angel of the Lord had commanded Manoah to uh, offer a sacrifice on a rock, And Manoah is going to do what the angel of the Lord said. He's going to offer a sacrifice on this rock, and as a result, he's going to be able to see. He will will gain an understanding in verses 19 to 21. So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar. The angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. And when the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. It is interesting that Manoah has been trying to find out who this person was with his questions And he wasn't able to find out. And it wasn't until he offered worship and sacrifice that the identity of this person became known to Manoah. And Manoah finally receives further instruction in verses 22 and 23. Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die because we have seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord has desired to kill us, He would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things as these at this time. Obviously, Manoah realized that he had seen God and thought that was the end of his life. And his faithful wife, who was apparently more spiritually mature than he was, had to tell him that if the Lord really wanted to kill us like you think, he would have never... He would have never revealed to us what he revealed to us. He would have never told us that we were going to have a child. In fact, if he were to kill us, we wouldn't be able to have that child. So it doesn't make any sense for him to do such a thing. And as a result of her words, in Judges 13, 24, and 25, we see that the woman bore a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mehaneh Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. Here we see uh, a story of God's grace at work in the life of this family and on behalf of a nation that desperately needed God's grace. And where we are as a nation and where, who we are as individuals, 
being saved by God's grace, continue to rely upon his grace every single day. We are a people who experience God's grace, are recipients of his grace, and are called to be channels of his grace to those around us. God raising up this person, Samson, was purely a a work of God's grace at life uh, in the time of of Israel when they needed it most, even when they weren't calling upon it. And it brought forth a child into this world. But unlike, which of course reminds us of another child that was brought into this world, and that's of course Jesus. And he is going to be able to do what Samson was not able to do, and that was to be faithful to his call. Jesus is faithful to his call. And he demonstrated that in his own life and in his ministry while he was on the earth. God brought him forth through a woman who was not worthy or deserving of the gift and the blessing she was going to receive. But she faithfully responded to God's call in her life and willfully and obediently and accepted God's gift and God's will for her life. And Jesus came into this world as a result and ministered to people who needed to experience God's grace. And I know that you need God's grace, I need God's grace. And Jesus demonstrated grace to his disciples when he was with them and prepared the last meal that he had with his disciples. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the bread of life. He who believes in me will live and will never die. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper had ended, he also took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you so that your sins may be forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me. Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? It is not the blood that we bless a participation in the blood of Christ. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us partake of these gifts together. Now some of you may have received or brought your own elements. If you have not, I will come around and and distribute the elements. Just hold on to them so that we can partake of them together. Would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for your grace and for the gift of your son, Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to fellowship and to break bread together 
looking back on the cross and what you've accomplished, but also looking forward to your coming again and making all things new. In the meantime, Lord, we just simply ask that your spirit would go before us, that you would renew our spirits and our minds, that you would purify our hearts as we aim to live in such a way that brings you honor and glory. For you, Lord Jesus, are worthy and deserving of it all. For you are a God who is faithful and is always there to meet us, to meet our needs. And for this, we give you thanks. Amen. God is faithful, and great is his faithfulness towards us, even when we don't deserve it. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, both now and for the rest of the week. God bless you. Amen.